Awesome. So we are here at the residence of Palmer and Nicole Lucky. I am very fortunate to have this opportunity to interview a good friend of mine, and I believe this is like our fourth interview. I mean, we could almost Something start our like own that. show. This is actually cool. Oh yeah, we could do it. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Palmer, thank we you for having us. Yeah, we call it PS. How about SP? I want to be at. All right, that All right. works. SP, that's gonna be the name of our show. So we're here and we're interviewing Palmer a little bit about what our event's about today, right? So we are putting on a very large marketing conference called reInvent. And this whole year has been about reinventing, right? Oh, yeah. Because in order to stay relevant, you've got to figure things out, right? There's everything going on with the virus economy, social injustice. This is a time for us to reinvent ourselves personally and professionally. Palmer, you're one of the greatest success stories in America. And I was so excited that you took on this interview. And I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts of the process of reinvention, knowing that we have thousands of individuals watching this across America, small business, big business. What are your thoughts about reinventing yourself? I think the big business side actually is a little bit easier. You, know, you can figure out how to make new technologies, you know, reinvent your business. You can figure out how you're gonna use things like artificial intelligence to help your business, figure out how you can live in this now very virtual economy where you can't do in-person stuff. I think a lot of the more challenging side is actually people who are on the very small business side or on like the sole proprietor side. Because for many of them, the best way to reinvent their business or themselves is not to figure out how to make their current business adapt, it's to consider if maybe they need to throw away what they were doing before entirely and start from scratch. Sometimes it's better to start with something new, the best thing you can imagine for the current climate, than to try to pivot an old thing into a new climate. And that can be really challenging to do, but people have done it. Uh, you know, on, on my side, I used to work in the consumer electronics industry. I started Oculus, I sold a lot of virtual reality headsets. And when I got fired by Facebook, it would have been easy to kind of go back into the media side, the video game side, the hardware side. That was where I was most comfortable. But I wanted to, you know, I guess reinvent myself a little bit and work on something that I thought was more impactful. That's how I ended up working in the national security space. Right. Um, and that was very much a case of throwing away most of the knowledge and expertise I had and saying, you know what, I need to work on the thing that I think is gonna have the most impact in this world that we live in today, which is different than the world where I started my first company. Right, and you kind of reinvented yourself going from Oculus to Anderol before you really needed to reinvent yourself. How did you have that foresight? I mean, did, was it just something that you had in the back of your head and then you just went into defense? Like, can you talk I, a little bit about that? I, I had actually worked in an army funded research lab a long time ago. I kind of kept that with me along, you know, along my whole journey. And uh, I used to work at the University of Southern California's ICT Mixed Reality Lab. And I was only there for you know, a matter of months, but I learned a lot about how military procurement works, military R&D works. And I had kept that in my mind through my time at Oculus. And I kind of knew that if I was gonna do something new, I wanted to work in that space. Right, and were you, I mean, a little bit nervous that this wouldn't succeed? I mean, this I've is a big risk. I've never been nervous about okay. that. I, I, everything that I do is going to succeed. Right. Uh, and that's probably not a rational uh, assumption on my part, right. but it's proven out so far. Right. And so I'm gonna keep believing it right. uh, for as long as I can. And so you drew a little contrast between the big businesses reinventing themselves and then the small business. Some may have more challenge than others. If you were to boil it down, what would be the two or three variables that you would recommend for either of those? Well, I'd say probably if you're, if you're a smaller business, you, the, one of the variables you take into account is how many people are depending on your current thing to work. Like, right. like for me, a big part of it was say, okay, the people who are close to me, uh, you know, I'm responsible for their well-being as right. well as my own well-being. And so I need to recognize that sometimes if I can kill the business, but then save you know, the people that I'm close to and working with, right. that's definitely the right thing to do. When you have a much larger company, it's a different set of variables. A lot right. of times, you know, there's a lot of value built up in your brand and your IP. 
in your customer base and you know in kind of your notoriety in whatever business you're in and you don't want to toss that away lightly I'd say right. it's a lot easier to throw those things away when you don't have much of it and you just have your, your people right. but when your business itself is a valuable entity right. you kind of owe it to your business to try and adapt to what the modern climate is so along those lines with the advent of this virus economy that we're going through and this all these changes going on in 2020 do you envision a lot more entrepreneurship coming out of this or do you see big businesses getting bigger what are your thoughts on that I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 well, you're a pretty good fortune teller with everything else. I, I see. Here, here's the thing. I, I, one of the things I like to tell people is that I've never invented anything. Right. Uh, everything that I do has been written about in science fiction for decades. I'm just figuring out the right time to pull dusty ideas off the shelf okay. and make them real. Uh, when it comes to actually predicting the future, like out of whole cloth, right. boy, that's really hard. And I, I just want to be honest, I'm, right. I, I can't predict a lot of this stuff because right. a lot of the things that are happening, they're beyond even what you would expect in sci-fi. Like sure. uh, I've talked with friends a lot about like, if you had written sci-fi that said that like, yeah, there's going to be a pandemic and the particular social issues of the pandemic are going to be revolving around like whether or not you right. wear a mask and that's going to become politicized in the middle of the election, right. it would have seemed like unreal and kind of not like, it would have seemed not, not not plausible right. and sometimes the real world is stranger than fiction I, I guess if I had to right. try and uh, if I if I had to try and predict I think you're probably gonna see a lot more entrepreneurship I think that the I think there's a lot of new things that are coming out of the gig economy that make it way more exciting for right. smaller companies than big companes. Right. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about, and I've talked with you before, is uh, ghost kitchens or dark kitchens. Sure, the sure, idea yeah. of you know places that are making food specifically for delivery to a home. Right. And I think that the virus economy has really put a huge boost on that idea. Right. Because now you can have places you know, where they don't have to be in expensive areas, they don't need a lot of space, they don't waste any of their ingredients, so you have no food waste. Sure. And you have competent professional people just making food at high velocity for hours on end. Right. I think we're going to get to the point where it's cheaper to buy fully prepared food from a dark kitchen than it is for you to make it yourself right. with the raw ingredients. And that is something that I, I've seen investments in that accelerating because all of a sudden investors are like, oh wow, yeah. there are going to be times where people actually can't even go out to the grocery store. Right, right. And and going back to what you just said oh, about- and I, guess, and I guess like, yeah, big companies are going right. to own the delivery side of sure. that, but it's the small companies that are going to own the creation side of that. It's a bigger but, opportunity. But you say that you're not good at telling the future and like seeing things and you just pull things off that are dusty and create billion dollar companies out of it but how would you say that with oculus i mean you basically created the modern virtual reality although that wasn't your core idea you you brought this to life that doesn't feel like an old dusty thing to me well you know the thing about virtual reality is it was a little bit dead i mean it, there was a big push for it in the 90s and early 2000s and then it just totally collapsed with the rest of the dot-com bubble so right. by the time i was working on vr uh, it was an idea like the major comp big companies were not working on it. Big right. tech companies were not working on it. It was the domain of you know, very small research oriented companies doing medical research, uh, military research, some simulation stuff on the side, right. oil and gas. Um, but I guess the, it, the the idea had been around for a very long time, but nobody was working on it seriously. And to be honest, right. if any of the large companies had been seriously working on VR right. in the early 20 teens, right. they would have done exactly what I did because they would have looked at the problem from first principles and said, how are we going to build a wide field of view headset? How are we going right. to solve the motion tracking problem? How are we going to solve the rendering problems? I think they actually would have figured it out. So that was actually a case of knowing the right time to pull that dusty idea right. off the shelf and say, hey, right. people tried this, they right. failed. That doesn't mean that it's a failure forever. Sure. It just means it's a failure right now. People right. can look at that today in their current businesses. 
There are a lot of business models that have failed in the past right. that are going to succeed in the future because now is the right time for those business models. Right. And we've seen VR do so well in the gaming and other industries. Around virus economy, do you predict VR is going to benefit in certain verticals like healthcare or other applications? Any oh, thoughts? VR is booming. I mean, the virus has hugely helped VR. Most of the major VR headsets are completely sold out. Production capacity is completely maxed. All of the major applications are seeing usage statistics that are way above their all-time highs that right. they've ever seen before. So right. VR has actually seen a huge corona boom. Right. Um, <laughs> corona boom. I, I think that we're going to continue right. to see that in other spaces. Like I, I think that you're going to see a lot of use of VR in uh, medicine. I think you're going to see a lot in enterprise data visualization. Uh, but right now, the consumer side is what's sure. booming because everybody's stuck at home, not able to get out, and VR is an escape. You know, with two young children, education has taken millions of you know, parents out of nowhere, right, it, to becoming yep. like online savvy. Do you see VR maybe moving into that direction around blended learning? Just curious. Yeah, I, and I'm not working on that, but I sure. have some friends who are working on yeah. things like that. And the really cool thing about VR is that it allows anyone to experience anything at almost no additional cost beyond right. the additional, you know, the, uh, the initial cost of the hardware. Right. Um, there's a reason that people still go on field trips. There's a reason right. we still have kids travel. It's because right. there's some things you can only get outside of the classroom. And maybe VR is not quite as good as going on a real field trip yet, right. but it's a lot better than being stuck in the classroom or worse, being stuck in your bedroom. Oh, and yeah. so I think that VR is going to be a huge deal for education in general, but especially right now right. where you literally can't go out into the real world sure. and do these things. Okay, so we talked about Oculus and virtual reality. Now let's move to Android AI machine learning. Give our audience some perspective on this awesome business that you've created and how you're able to go with these billion dollar traditional companies that have always been there and how you've been able to innovate something as a startup and now actually bid for real contracts. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Andrel. Sure. I mean, there's been a lot of innovation in the defense sector, but it's mostly been around the things that they know how to build. So the, the traditional defense primes are very, very good at building nuclear submarines or aircraft carriers or fighter jets. What they're not good at building is advanced software, artificial intelligence, autonomous systems. Those are things where the talent has traditionally been concentrated in major technology companies like Google and right. Microsoft and Facebook. What we're trying to do is take people out of those companies and bring them into the national security sector, building things that would not exist if we were not building them. Because unfortunately, most big tech companies don't want to do work with the military. Now, whether it's related to their stock price or being in the Chinese marketplace or employee protests, you know, everyone has different reasons. Right. But it remains a fact that they're not the ones that are going to build the things that the DOD needs in these areas. Right. And so what we've built is not a defense contractor, but a defense product company. Right. We use our own money to decide what to build, how to build it, when it's done, and then we just sell it to the government. This right. is the way that most enterprise and consumer businesses work, but it's not the way that most defense procurement works. Right. And so we're taking a model that has worked in other industries and applying it to the defense space because that's the only way that you can incentivize people to work fast, to do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. Right. And we've been having a lot of success helping the U.S. Department of Defense and also our ally, allies like the right. U.K. Ministry of Defense. With the thousands of people watching, you're one of the like, that employer that a lot of people want to work for, what do you look for in the people that you recruit at Android? And just give us a little perspective on that. I look for a lot of things. First, I'll tell you what I don't look for. I don't look for the piece of paper. Uh, I don't care about degrees. I dropped out of college. Probably about a third of my employees dropped out of college, okay. uh, which is a lot higher percentage than even a lot of the tech companies. Um, I definitely look for people who have a desire to build things even outside of what they've done for work. So I often ask people, like, what, what have you done that's not a class project, that's not a work project. What do you do for yourself that you just wanted to make? Right. Some people, like we have one guy who makes uh, recreations of medieval swords using traditional smithing techniques. Wow. We have other people who do really high-end 
uh, like like gastronomic cooking with liquid nitrogen. Nice. Uh, like they're, those seem like they're very two different things, yeah. but they both show a passion to create something kind right. of just out of their own desire to make and build and create. Those are the people that I want in my company. Right. And one of the benefits that we have at Onderill is that we will buy anyone, any software or hardware tool that they want for work projects or even for personal projects. Oh, wow. So if you want to go out and buy a $10,000 tool because that's what you need to do your personal project, right. we will buy it for you. Right. And like, sure, it's it's uh, you know it costs money to give a benefit like right, that. Right, right, right. That's how you keep those types of people happy. And it also means that those people, like most of the things that I've bought for people, they've ended up using them in work processes. Right, they've right. learned how to apply it to their work. Right. And so I'm looking for people who want who want to create and who want to make a difference, not just because they are getting a paycheck or because they're getting a grade, because right. they really, really care about doing something. And there's so many people watching this that are starting their own businesses right now. And as they employ people, what are the tips that you give employers on how to reward people and make them part of your vision so they come with you and they rise the tide with you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, the number one way is to give them equity. I mean, you want everyone's incentives to be aligned. And a lot of people are like, oh, you got to treat your employees well by you know, giving them foosball tables and, and, and beanbag yeah. couches, that's not what they want. What right. they need to have is the same incentives that you have so that sure. you're all working through the hard times together. Yeah. So there's no foosball table, there's no beanbag chair, but you're both working towards the same type of success. When, right. when Oculus became, uh, when, when Oculus got acquired by Facebook, everyone in the company became very wealthy from right. the receptionist at the front door wow. all the way up to the CEO of the company. Right. And this, I, wanted, I want the same thing to be true of all of my companies where the success is shared among the employees and everybody knows that going into it. And you're a fantastic servant leader. And Palmer, looking at that adversity aspect, like those hard times you're talking about, you know, there's so many people unemployed right now. There's there's a huge hit right now on unemployment. So a lot of people are going through this adversity and these challenges. Any advice that you have on on seeing through that and, and getting through that that transition? Because to some, it kind of feels like you're suffocating, right? And you're, yep. you're losing oxygen. What, what advice do you have on, on seeing through that adversity? Oh man, I'd say one of the things that you should do is you know, don't be afraid to reach out. Now is the right time to reach out. Everyone understands, you know, before, like the people that you wouldn't have reached out to for help before, whether it's family or friends or business acquaintances, people understand that right now is a really tough time. Right. Um, I'd say also don't be afraid to take a break. Like right. I, I know that doesn't sound like a way to keep a business going, right. but sometimes the best way to keep a business going is say, you know what? We aren't making money. We're burning money right now, and we're not—we're not making forward progress. Right. We're going to take a halt and reevaluate because if we let's say your business only has five hundred thousand dollars left in the bank, right? You might be better off waiting six months and then burning that five hundred thousand dollars than trying to burn it at the absolute worst possible time. Right. It's a little bit like—it's a, a little bit like buying stocks. You, know, right. you want to buy low and sell high. You don't want to spend low right, when you're right. low productivity that's not when you want to be spending all sure, your money sure sure and then you have like some businesses like people get really successful at what they do and they try and control everything mm -hmm. they want to be the ceo they want to be the accountant they no, want to be no you can't do and, that and and how do you like how do you get past that control factor because that drowns a lot of businesses and how are you able to do that successfully the best way to do that is to think of it as making yourself obsolete. That should be your goal as an executive. Mm -hmm. If you are the only person in the company that can do any particular task, <laughs> that's okay very early on when everyone wears a lot of hats. Right. But if you've grown to any significant size and the business will instantly fail if you're not doing some particular thing, you right. need to go find somebody who's better at that thing and have sure. them do it because clearly that's a critical part of your business right. and it's very unlikely that you are the best person in the world to do it. Absolutely. And so if you can find somebody who can do that for you, and then do that again and again and again. Your right. goal is to make yourself as obsolete as possible right. so that you can focus on the things that uniquely only you can do, which are right. largely gonna be around you. Running the company, 
fundraising, driving the vision. You know, that that's kind of the right place to be. Awesome. And like like I, I'd say I learned this at Oculus. Like, right. I, I, like I can do circuit board layout. Right. Is that the best use of my time though? Of course not. I can right. I can play house all day and lay out circuit boards, <laughs> but it's a it's a detriment to our customers. It would right. be a detriment to our investors. It'd be a detriment to my employees. So I need to say, you know what? I like doing that. But that isn't what I get to do right. because when you start a tech company, you don't always get to spend all your time working on tech. Exactly. So we talked about business. We got some great advice. Now let's talk about Palmer personally. Just two last questions. One oh, no. is tell me a little bit about your gaming affection and some of this antique historic gaming devices that you have. Have you become a collector? And, and can you can you tell us a little bit about your your passion for this and what you got? I can tell you a little bit a little bit about it. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still still working on it. But, okay. You know, I, I I'm, I'm a big gamer. I really love video games. Uh, because of my love for virtual reality, I also believe that people are going to value physical artifacts of gaming less and less and less. Right. And so I've been on a quest to collect as much as I can. I believe I have the world's largest collection of video games. Awesome. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not certain. There might be other people out there, but I've Are got... Are you going to create a museum one day? I, I've, I've got a plan. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll see. Okay. Well, let um, us know first, okay? I'll let There's you There's know. a lot of gamers that want to know what's going on well, with my, that. My goal here is to preserve the physical history of gaming. That's awesome. And to go to extreme lengths to do that. Right. So. And gaming first started as, as something, as, as a pure form of entertainment. That's right. But now it's being conditioned into industry, business, education. Oh, well, the people making the most money in the games industry right now aren't even working on entertainment. They're working on you know, games technology and medicine, games technology and architecture, games technology and enterprise. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, a, it, it's one of those things where it started very narrowly in entertainment and then has really grown across a lot right. of different industries. I'll end with my, my question as to what brought us here, which is this magnificent ship that's behind me, which you've somehow been able to procure. Can you tell us a little bit about this this beautiful maritime. Uh, uh, give us a little background as to what's going on here. Sure, this is a Mark V special operations craft that I bought from the Navy. Uh, it was previously used for insertion and extraction of Navy SEALs. It's a very, very fast, very, very big, very, very loud. Um, and I, I, I collect military vehicles in general, so I own, I own, I own a Humvee, uh, a few other military military uh, wheeled vehicles. And awesome. This is my expansion into into building, <laughs> right. yeah, tr 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 trying to build is up a collection of Is this as easy as driving a Duffy? Just curious. It's actually a lot easier. Driving a Duffy's hard. I mean, you've done it. You know, you turn, <laughs> and you turn, and you turn. Okay. This thing has a computer on it that does all the calculations. It oh, has wow. a little joystick. Okay. You tell it how much you want to turn. It'll calculate the optimal controls to do that, and it does all the work. So. Wow. I was I was thinking like a Duffy would be way easier. So oh, no, you, no. You can't just drive this, though. You need like no, you need a, a few people. You, a know, you need a crew of people to operate everything. But in terms of driving it, okay. the driving part is easy. Awesome. So to get to, let's say, Catalina Island from Newport Beach, what what's the, the estimated time in your thoughts? I don't know. From the inlet, uh, I don't know, like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. All right. We may have to go up against the Catalina Express one day. Um, I want to end this awesome interview with something that I like to do with very special people in these interviews, which is one word, one answer. This okay. has not been scripted, so I don't know how this is going to go. We'll just see how it goes. So I'm going to say one word, and the first word to come from your head out your mouth. You cannot even think about it and edit it, okay? I'm ready. So here we go. Orange County. Good. Anderl. Fast. Virtual reality. Sexy. Xenon. Friend. Thank you very much. We're done. Woo. That was great, man. You rock, dude.